Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating a faith crisis is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. So then, in the metaphysical sphere, the mystic is the one who feels that everything that happens is in some way harmonious, is in some way right, is in some way an integral part of the universe. Now when we transplant or translate that into the moral sphere, the sphere of human conduct, the equivalent is this. There are no wrong feelings. No wrong because everything we're talking about, in other words, we're not asking you to face the reality, we're asking you to use your imagination. We're asking you to contour your thoughts in order to produce feelings. There are no wrong feelings. Use your imagination, contour your thoughts in order to produce feelings. Someone said that religion is for people who are afraid of hell. And spirituality is for people who've already been there. Your whole countenance here as we are visiting with you is, this is hard or I'm not doing it. And while that is the reality that maybe you've been living, it's not the whole reality. Because sometimes it isn't hard and often you are doing it. And so you just have to decide how you want to feel. When you feel a little negative emotion, if rather than saying, I need to change this thought or I need to bridge this belief, if you would say, I want to find a thought that feels better right now, right now, right now, right now. If you've adapted to not feeling good, then this isn't going to work for you. Never tell me the odds. This is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. Who wants someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. Who wants religion to? Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy anything in this world of money. the good in everything look for the people who will set your soul free it always seems impossible until it's done look for the good in everyone welcome back to infants on thrones i'm glenn ostland and this is episode 713 Navigating a Faith Crisis in Real Time, Part 2. Now this is my second life coaching session with Reed Christensen, and I'd like to remind you that there is a new survey to fill out on the website for any of you interested in the kinds of things that Reed and I will be discussing today. Thank you to those of you who have already filled out this survey, and if you haven't heard back from me already, you will be hearing back from me soon. Now there seems to be a growing interest from several of you regarding group coaching a kind of private, confidential, guided book club of sorts, a, a discussion group, a small online community built on vulnerability, acceptance, and trust. So look for that starting in April and reach out to me, either through email or the survey, if that sounds like something that you want to be a part of. And stick around for the end of today's episode as I'm including a kind of guided meditation as an extended Easter egg. 
Now I'm going to make this guided meditation available just as a standalone episode on Patreon for those of you who are supporting the podcast. This is something that I put together. It's a chapter from the book Letting Go by David Hawkins, put to some meditation music that I listen to for about 20 or 30 minutes a couple times a week. And it's been really helpful for me, so I want to make it available to you as well. And now, sit back and enjoy being a fly on the wall for my second coaching session with Reed, because here we go. All right. So how, how, was, how was the week last week? I, I know you listened back to the recording and you had some criticisms of like <laughs> things that you kept saying over and over again, but you've heard yourself before. That was, that was rough though, um, was because I did a lot more talking for one thing. Hmm. Um, so that, you know, there was, so there, there I go. I said, you know, mm-hmm. probably a thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was really annoying. In fact, my wife was <laughs> listening to it. Um, and she said, and I was on the bed holding my head in my hands, just like cringing. (laughs) Every time I said, you know, I was like, why do I have to say that about everything after everything? So, yeah. I I know I'm going to watch you now, like kind of catch yourself every time when you like instinctively want to say, you know, you just got to pull it back. You know, here I go again. Uh I, Listening to yourself is a fascinating thing. Yeah. Because my mind is trying to say something and it's not, it's just not coming out my mouth the way that I want it to. Mm. So it's hard to listen to because it's like that, that's not really what I was meaning there. And you because know. you remember what you were trying to say. So as you're listening back to yourself, you remember what you were trying to say and you see how it's getting out and you're like, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I had, I worked with a girl who said, you know, all the time mm-hmm. and it annoyed the heck out of me, but it was like, you know what I mean? But she said, you know what I mean? After yeah. everything. And I was like, wow, she just can't stop saying that. And yeah. now I'm like, I guess I do it. It's so it was, it was good for me to listen to it. I mean, it was painful. Mm. painful but my wife said and my my wife is a very honest critic she she said no that was, that was pretty good <laughs> so yeah. she's like you know you you tend to ramble and uh, and i thought that that's a fair observation i do tend to to ramble on um but it it was good it's it's a really good exercise it's very unique i don't know when i would ever do that yeah listen to myself you know, when, when I was in graduate school, um, they, they were teaching us the, uh, the methods of ethnography to like do participant observation, you know, because the idea of a folklorist is like you, you go to wherever there's a group of people that has traditions and you study them and you record them and you interview them. And so they taught us all, all of these interview techniques. And what, one of the first things I did, <laughs> there were people in Bloomington, Indiana around Easter time that would put up. Christmas, or not Christmas, but Easter eggs on their trees outside. So it was like these, these egg trees, whatever they call Easter trees. And so I would go up to their house if they had an Easter tree and knock on the door and say, hey, could I interview you about that? Can you tell me about this? And so I have my tape recorder. And I've got all these recordings of me doing it. And I, I realized when I started going back and transcribing those interviews, I, I had the same reaction 
that you just described. I'm like hearing myself. I'm like, why did I ask that question? Why did, or the, the biggest thing that I, I realized is that in real time, I was so busy trying to think about what I wanted to say next that I wasn't really listening yeah. to what the person was saying. And so when I listened back to it, I got so much more out of it. And then obviously doing podcasting like I've been doing for the last 10 years and listening to myself a lot and editing, you know, doing all of that stuff. It, it, it really, it really is valuable. So I'm, so I'm glad, I'm glad you had that uncomfortable experience and I'm glad that you found it valuable. Yeah, no, it, it's great. I'm just curious. Did you lose the, like the cringe factor listening to your voice eventually? No, I still have it. Really? There, there, yeah, there's, there's, there's still times, you know, Cam, Cammy will tell you that there's times where I go, oh, I had this great episode or something like that. Do you want to listen to it? And we'll start listening to it. And I'll just be like, okay, I got to turn this off. I can't hear. I can't hear me say another <laughs> stupid thing. Like, ah, oh, you know, like, yeah. So, so that self-critical part has not gone away completely, but it, I have learned a lot about myself <laughs> for sure um, as a result of that. Yeah. So I'm glad you had that experience, Reed. So, so what other, what, what other insights, you know, when, when we talked last week, I, I remember you talked a lot about being a nine on the Enneagram and you talked, mm -hmm. I mean, that was a really important realization, I think, to, to like understand your role with like wanting peace. Do you put yourself first? Do you put your other people first? Um, how, how, how did that awareness impact your week last week? Um, it, it had a big impact um, because when you're aware of something, you really step outside yourself and monitor yourself, kind of like listening to yourself. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, we, for example, I was reading the book or listening to the book, um, Letting Go, Mm -hmm. by David Hawkins. And it was like a funny, weird thing that happened to me. This, whenever I read something like that, that is really deep and really profound and uh, it changes the way I think. So like I'm stepping out of the shower thinking like, okay, what do I do here? <laughs> when do you, so I'm not going on the program. I, you know, we operate on these programs where it's just, we're just doing things automatic. Like that's my job. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm just repeating the same thing over and over sometimes. And it was, it was kind of like, I was re-examining everything from a third person's point of view, kind of like what Alan Watts talks about, you know, the, I know that I know that I know, mm -hmm. you know, the <laughs> fact that you can kind of monitor yourself from like this third person. And um, yeah, it was, you know, every conversation I was examining yeah. every, um, especially work-wise, it was, it was, it was a heavy, just Monday, a really heavy um, emotional, uh, where I was refereeing these two individuals. One was my employee and one was a, a different, um, you know, a different, in a different department and just having this big disagreement and this half hour meeting turned into an hour and a half of just emotion. And it was very, tense and the whole time I'm kind of monitoring myself during that whole thing and you know um thing just trying to observe what I'm doing to help or you know so whenever I read something like as deep as some a book like that it 
it just it rocks my world mm. for a while because I don't do a lot of that type of reading mm. or thinking where you know it was definitely one of those I, w- I wouldn't say well yeah it was like a self-help book you yeah. know I think that's fair to say but for sure yeah yeah but it was um I mean honestly the last time I have read a self-help book might have been like uh, like seven habits of highly effective people in college or something huh, yeah. because most of my life was concentrated on the scriptures have all the answers, mm. right? They, that's, what's going to help you be a better person. That's what's going to, so reading anything outside of the, you know, like the standard works or even just general conference talks or whatever it might be. I didn't really ever go there cause I didn't have time to go there. Mm. I didn't really, you know, there'd been times where I read like business type managerial books, I would yeah. say, but um, reading a book like letting go was a really, really good exercise for me. It was a bit of a rock your world type of exercise. So it, yeah. it you know, instead of sitting down at night watching TV with my wife, which is what we usually do, we usually go through a series together or whatever. And, and, uh, I, I didn't, I was focused one on reading this book and getting through this book. Um, part of it is just, there's a little bit of pressure here. You know, I'm trying to, <laughs> come to these meetings with something um, to work through and something to kind of recognize in myself. And so you read the entire book this last week. I listened to, yeah, I listened to it. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. That, that is a lot of information to take in in one well, week. Well, honestly, that's about how much I'm taking in. Usually it's like a fire hose drinking out yeah, of a fire hose. I had, I had 863 minutes for the week of exercise I was only i only know that because we had to submit it for this little contest we're doing at work uh, but most of the time i'm listening to podcasts or i'm listening to books or i'm listening yeah. to there's something in me that really wants to figure things out yeah and i've always been like that whatever whatever it was whatever whether it was the you know the gospel yeah i was that guy and yeah. honestly that's what set my faith transition in motion was you kind of get exhausted with kind of just those primary answers. And so I started, I it really didn't know where else to turn except, well, I'm going to go listen to all of the conference talks from the year I was born. Yeah. And so I started doing <laughs> that and four years in, it was, it just blew my mind how wrong everything was <laughs> and just how I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Like, this is, this is what they, you know, there's nothing what they're saying is, is hardly true. You know, it's like, I could go on and on about some of the examples that I heard of, you know, them referring to the sons of Cain in 1982. This is like four years after (laughs) the revelation. Like it, it was, it was crazy. And that's what set my whole faith crisis in motion was um, there's something going on here and I need to figure this out. This is not right. Yeah. And so that, curiosity that desire to kind of understand um is is has been good um but sometimes i get i get kind of caught up in it like i need to just sometimes sit down with some music and relax (laughs) yeah that's true um which sometimes i do like i was at the gym and i i was listening to the book and we're getting we're i'm at the point in the book you know where they're talking about uh, you know, reflexology or I don't know, some of that stuff that I think is a little frou-frou and, sure, and I just yeah. shut it down and played some Weezer and 
and just went crazy <laughs> on, the, on the elliptical machine because I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I, I want to go back to what you said, Reed, about awareness. Um, like the, the awareness of the things that you were saying, the, the awareness, like you, you said something about like, when you got out of the shower, you had some awareness of what, what was it that? Yeah, it was, it was um, I'm opening the shower door and thinking, okay, what, what do I do next? What, what would the right thing to do next? Which was dumb. I mean, why would I think that? But it was being, it was almost like I was being overly mindful about everything and not going by the program, but like looking at myself and thinking, what, what's the right thing to do here, mm. according to kind of what I was reading, you know, because there's, there's a lot in that book. I mean, that book is, I think you'd have to read that book like three or four times yeah, yeah. Um, to absorb it all because it was just a little much. It was really, it's a lot. It's a, it's a lot. Yeah. 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 And, and I, I still listen back. To, I mean, I probably have listened to it three or four times and um, it's kind of like going to the temple read. <laughs> you can't well, the new I will time. say there was some, there was some things in that book that were a little, just a little, not triggering, but they were just things where it's like, I can't, I can't go there. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. it was, uh, and I can't really explain. It's just things that don't make a lot of sense to me or things that are making claims on things without much evidence you know, yeah. whether it's energy levels and he kept right. talking about that 400, you've got three, 250 energy level. You know, I don't know what that means, yeah. you know? So there was things where I was like really overly skeptical. And, but so I was, I was cautiously loving the book the whole yeah. time, just trying to take it all in, but at the same time, be skeptical enough to know that, you know, when he described, um, it got, well, honestly, when he got to the point of describing an orgasm, <laughs> I was like the, like the tantric kind of when you just <laughs> yeah. like, you're like, you, you, you smile and you just breathe big. Yeah, and, and then you're experiencing orgasms outside yourself. And I, mm-hmm. I felt at that point, like, are we getting to like into some snake oil stuff? <laughs> you know, this is the, the level that this is curing all your ailments. And then also all these other things. I had to be skeptical about that stuff because sure. I have a hard time believing a lot of it now. Yeah. No, I had, I, the, made, I had the same reaction too. Like the, those, those, like the kinesthesiology, this idea yes, that if you push yeah. down on your arms and it goes yeah. down, that then it's I've, not I've true. had that and, done. Have you ever had that done? No, no. I, it, 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 you know, like my experience, the first time I read this book was there was so much about it that I loved. And then there would be those little things in there that I'm like, oh, don't do that because it's going to discredit <laughs> everything. It's like the one bad apple in the card. Then it just ruins yeah. everything. And so I, I, you know, but, but overall, the it's really the first half of that book where he goes through all of those different emotions and mm, you know he yeah. gives the he gives these numbers assigns these numbers to them um but the but the principle behind it like if if you're just saying that there are certain emotions that are really really draining they just exhaust you mm-hmm. and they're things like grief and shame and apathy and fear like that okay i don't need you to tell me that they're number 45 out of a thousand or, you know, like whatever that arbitrary mm-hmm. number system is, but I can go, okay. Yeah. I, I can feel that I am more drained when I'm feeling depressed 
I mean, it's called deep rest, right? Yeah. Whereas when, if I'm above that level of, of courage, which he puts at 200, then I start feeling like energized and, you know, like I can really feel a difference yeah. there. And, you know, so I, I, I did find definitely a value in that. And, and I think that's what, what I'd like to focus on with, with you tonight um, or, or wherever you want to focus, Reed, you know, in, in your, your intake form, when I asked you to do a self-assessment of where you thought that you were, you put neutrality because you said, I, I tend to do things so that I don't upset anyone else. A lot of my motivation seems to be tied up to this desire to not let things bother me or that fill me with anxiety and distress. You know, I want to sleep at night. And when I asked you where you want to be, you said, love, you know, I feel like it would allow me to see others as they are and accept them as a whole person, flaws and all. It's a good starting point for being in a place of passion and acceptance. As a peace loving person, love seems to be the answer to quiet my mind and joyfully be in the presence of others. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I kind of, that's beautiful, by the way, whatever I wrote. It is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's pause for a moment and celebrate it for real. But, but so I, I, I kind of want to keep these sessions where, where you want it to go. Mm-hmm. And, and so I want to check in with you. How are you doing with this quest to be in more of a place of acceptance and love and, and peace? Um, this week, I think because I've been so mindful of mm-hmm. everything that I've been doing, it's been a really good start. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the meeting, the really tense meeting that I had on Monday, I was a little surprised how well I came out of it after the emotions that came out and the, just there was, there's just a big misunderstanding and there's just a lot of things that really don't have easy answers And normally I would have probably not slept well that night. And, but I was, I was so excited to, I guess, examine myself during that meeting or something happened to where one emotion kind of swallowed the other. Interesting. Which emotion swallowed which emotion? Um, I would say the, uh, that's a great question because it was, it was, the emotion of showing love or showing resolve towards the two individuals that were arguing. And um, it, it, I knew that in the end we were going to end up in a good place. And so I felt pretty good. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I realized that I think that's the key to me overcoming this discomfort that I always feel I have to, overcome the discomfort with the kind of this faith type of um, desire. I don't know how else to describe it. I'm going to hate listening to this again, but there's uh, like this desire to um, uh, overcome that. Jeez, I can't even describe it. It's because Uh, you're trying so hard not to say, you know, yeah, I am. And I'm doing a really good job. <laughs> you are, you know. <laughs> uh, here, let me give you an example of, of what I'm saying here. Um, and I think about this experience a lot. Um, I have certain phobias. I think we all have some sort of phobias. And one of them is the fear of ocean water, mm. dark ocean water, especially. But just... I growing up as a kid, 
saw Jaws, saw Piranhas. I am scared to death of falling into the ocean. And just the, I just feel like, and, and when I was doing triathlons back in the day, there wasn't a day where I would swim in the lake and not experience extreme anxiety. And I'd see something at the bottom of the lake and I'd immediately start freaking out thinking it was some monster. I don't know why. And I think this is a common thing because I've talked to a lot of people that have swam in lakes and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, I have that same same fear because we all, I think we all grew up watching those horrible movies where you know piranhas would come out of nowhere and start eating you. Um, so I had this just this fear of ocean water and getting in the ocean. It's not something I really wanted to do. But then when I went to Maui, there was something in me that was so wanting to explore the reefs and see the fish. And I didn't even think about that fear. Yeah. I was, it was completely swallowed up in this desire to explore, which I have a huge desire to do. And it was, I, I, I kind of always think back, like what happened? What, you know, it was a great experience. It was like, wow, I, I didn't even have the fear going in the ocean water. Like I thought I would. And, and I really enjoyed it on top of it. It was an yeah. amazing experience. It was almost life-changing in terms of the experiences that you have snorkeling, I think, because it's just so peaceful and yeah. amazing. And I, rem- so, I remember you talking about that before as well and in, in how clear, like crystal clear everything seemed yeah, while you it was, were in there. Yeah, it was um, normally looking down in the depths of the sea to where things start disappearing would have, I would have thought that would have just scared, you know, the heck out of me. Yeah. And, um, but it wasn't, I kept looking down because I was so fascinated by what was going to emerge out of the, the, yeah. the deep because everything was actually extremely peaceful. Yeah. Um, so that experience taught me that there's a way to overcome my discomfort by allowing a more powerful desire to overcome it. Mm. a more a more powerful um emotion or i don't know what it is what is that an emotion or some sort of um, well i'm i'm going to use the word clarity reed and, and let me let me tell you what what i'm hearing in in what you're saying here i mean first of all you were you were trying to explain that feeling that you had while you were refereeing these these coworkers um and you couldn't quite put some words into it so you said let let me tell you this this story and you started by telling me how freaked out you've been by you know seeing jaws seeing piranhas and anything in the ocean and the way that you described it was it's it's dark it's murky you can't see anything in there so there's Mm -hmm. that at least the way that i heard it it seemed like that there's something about the unknown um in that that it just it's it's frightening because you've already got these images in your head of jaws and piranhas yeah whatever absolutely but then when you're in maui and you're snorkeling and you can see everything so clearly you did feel peace. And, and so I'm wondering if there's a connection between the murkiness versus the clarity. And especially if, if you take that back to that experience that you had with your coworkers, that in the past, you, you might have only been focusing on their disagreements. And, you know, as, as a nine, you don't want people to disagree. And so there's mm-hmm. a lot of like fear and what, what's going to happen in this situation. You just didn't really know kind of this murky ocean type of setting. Whereas this time, as you were being more aware and you were focusing on kind of what you wanted to come out of it, that you wanted it to be a peaceful resolve, that you had more clarity 
in your mind about what your intention was as refereeing this and having that clarity in your mind was kind of akin to snorkeling and seeing all of these fish around you and and really having this oh wow this is this is going on rather than it being kind of murky and uncertain yeah so what 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 do you think about that analogy i, I just i like that a lot <laughs> no i like that a lot that's that I think it's not it's it. not a tree that's losing leaves and then you get to see the vista in the background no, but i i tried <laughs> i tried no it's not but you, you 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 said it pretty well and i think also thinking back on it I would have been at a much lower energy level in that. I would have been fearful in that meeting. I would mm -hmm. have been, um, I would have had that, just that anxiety from the fear of people not liking each other. And mm -hmm. instead, I think I approached that meeting with, um, as it was happening with much higher levels of something optimism. of energy. Yeah. There was an optimism. There was a, a love for both people because yeah. I really do like both people and um, just kind of a faith that we're going to work this out yeah. in the end, six months down the road, this isn't going to be an issue. And we're going to, we're going to figure this out. Um, and, you know, each person is very, they're, they're very unique. They're very strong willed people, um, very assertive, which was great because um, that's what needed to happen in the meeting was feelings had to be discussed. And normally that would have freaked me out, yeah. uh, you know, it would have been hard to to see the pain in people's faces, but but it was really good experience. And maybe because I'm I'm focusing so much on it, mm. I'm focusing on trying to you know overcome it so much that maybe that's why. And and one of the worries that I have with this whole process is um, when you read something like that, it's in your brain and you focus on it, but then over time you kind of lose that focus. Mm. I don't know if you ever have this, like sure. we, I just read a book called um, breathe about mm. breathing. Right. And then, and extremely fascinating book. We, me and my wife are doing these breathing exercises at night. I'm trying to do all, you know, and then it just kind of peters out mm. because it's not in the front of your brain anymore. It's not, you know, taking your attention. It's not. And so you just kind of forget about it. And, and you don't, that habit kind of goes away pretty quick because you, consumed by other things like this book let's say mm -hmm. you know um so that's what i'm a little worried about is is i that's why i said you probably have to read this book multiple times um in order to kind of you know put it in your life and not only that but to understand the darn thing i i couldn't uh um seem to so there was times i have adhd and sometimes i was just like what did he just say because it was very yeah. very deep very saturated. Yeah. Stuff. You, you know, um, so I, so I, I hear that, that you find the contents of the book quite valuable. And especially because you had read that these ideas were kind of in the forefront of your mind so that when you were in this meeting and you were refereeing your employees, you were able to focus on something that you were kind of more actively rather than passively being a part of that refereeing process, which is, if I remember right, you've been told in the past, whether it's this job or other jobs that you need to be more assertive and you need to speak yeah. up more. And, and, and you were in this case, you, you had an idea, you had that faith that you said that there's going to be a resolution and that kind that, that helped provide that outcome yeah. um, in that situation. And so you're, you're recognizing that your focus 
was sharp because you had been recently reading reading this book. You're concerned that maybe it'll fall off, kind of like with the the breathe book. Mm -hmm. um, what do you? It, it sounds to me like you don't want that to happen. No, no, I would love to be in this mind um, space for a long time. Yeah, and 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 part of it is you know after the last session we talked about meditation, mm -hmm. and that was good to like you know, to have you say, this is probably what you need to do. If you're looking for peace, Reed, you <laughs> probably need to start meditating. And, mm. and I said, I wasn't doing it. It was something that I've been meaning to do. And then, you know, my subscription to Sam Harris's waking up app expired and they want a hundred bucks. And I was like, <laughs> that's too much. <laughs> but um, I did start, um, you know, the poor man's way of meditating is just being very mindful of, the sensations of your body. Yeah. And I did start doing that. I just, uh, just on walks, I go on a lot of walks yeah. and, um, I would feel extreme moments of peace on those walks as I was thinking about my feet hitting the ground and feeling the sensations all over my body as I thought about them, you know, even like the top of my ear or, you know, anything. And, and it was, uh, very, very peaceful. And, and um, I want to keep doing that and being mindful. I, you know, the, the book touched on it. We have these programs that we run and we don't know that we're running them. And I've, I am so guilty of just um, running programs all the time yeah. and just trying to get through the complexity of life in terms of being a father, being, you know, my job with, every aspect, you know, so many, so much of, I realize so much of what I do is just programs, me running programs and, oh, my wife's feeling this way. Well, I know how to react because I've seen this before and I'm just going to do this and this always works. And right. you, you, you know, whereas now I'm kind of reassessing and being like, is that the right way to approach yeah. the situation? Um, well, so th this is, this is one of the big benefits of mindfulness, what, what you're describing right now. And it's, it's when you start to raise your awareness of these automatic thoughts and these programs that are going on. And, mm -hmm. and as you get better at recognizing it, then, then what you actually do for yourself is you create the opportunity to choose something different than you would normally automatically do because you, you can recognize, Oh, this is happening again. How do I usually respond? Oh, I usually do it this way. And this is usually the outcome. Mm -hmm. Is that the outcome I want? No, I want a different outcome. And, and see, and you can take the things that um, David Hawkins talks about and you go, okay, if, if I respond from a place of shame or guilt, then I'm going to feel a certain way. If I respond from a place of love, I can feel this way. And you start getting to that place where you, the, the, the awareness gives you that more of a choice. And then you can set that intention of where you want it to be and figure out, okay, I want to, I want to be more loving. I want to be more accepting. Um, is this going to get me there or not? And, and mm -hmm. that mindfulness, that, that awareness, it, it, I think it's the, a crucial first step to yeah. be able to do that. I'm feeling now that it will be yeah. for me. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for now doing that. I just don't want to lose the desire to do it or just kind of fall out of it. Like I said, with the breathe habit, um, because life is right now it's just really busy and yeah. 
you know, there's, oh, there I go. I shouldn't have said that, but there's, you said uh, you know. <laughs> I did, I said, you know, <laughs> right. oh man, take a drink. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm worried about. And I shouldn't worry about it. You know, whatever happens happens. And, but, um, I just feel like I'm making some pretty big, um, changes that are positive and, um, it's been helpful to, you know, these, these talks are very helpful for me to kind of, I would be lazy. I would be so lazy because that's what nines are. They're the laziest people around because, they don't, you know, you don't have to do anything, then you're not going to be upset. Right. That's the whole thing about them is, and I'm, I'm guilty of that. My most of my, I mean, I'm not extremely lazy, but, um, I, how many triathlons have you run? Oh, I don't know. There's, I, I was really into it. For I mean, I think years. if it's at least one or more, you're not allowed to call yourself lazy. ever. <laughs> yeah. That was 10 years ago though. Still. But, um, but yeah, I, I used to be a sit around kind of homebody type of person, like watching TV, you know, that was, that was what I was not anymore. And that's just because I, I have different habits now. I have, you know, you have friends that, you know, drag you out disc golfing every Friday, which, which is so fun. Or yeah. you have, you know, other friends that are, you know, want to go biking and you know, if you have active friends, you're going to be active. So, yeah. um, but I, um, yeah, it, you know, I, in the back of my mind, I'm a little worried, like, okay, this better not be one of those fads that I go through and, and just drop off later on. Uh, I don't think it will. I hope not. But would you do me a favor and hold your mic out? It's kind of like rustling on the collar. Oh, my collar? Yeah. yeah right. I've heard that before. Yeah. Um, well, what, would, would you like to do a little meditation exercise right now, Reed? Oh, yeah. So I can show you how easy it is. Okay. So just, just get into a really comfortable place in, in your chair and your feet flat on the floor and um, whatever breathing you learned in that book you're just going to like take some really deep breaths in and out and just keep doing that and as you breathe out like feel how good it feels to just like relax we should have done this at the beginning of the exercise. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're doing it now in the middle. So just going to be quiet here for a couple of minutes. And I want you to, whatever comes into your mind, just watch it. And then if you want to talk about it afterwards, we can talk about it. Or if you just want to just like chill out and just kind of take a break and let everything kind of like wash over you. Just do that. We'll just sit here for a couple minutes. All right. Whenever you're ready, hmm. tell me a little bit about what that experience was like for you. Oh, it was a little surprising. Uh, was, I mean, at first I'm, I'm a little nervous, obviously, but it took me a little while to kind of calm down. Um, but I think the first real emotion that I felt was uh, gratitude. Mm. Um, I feel like um, 
I was really hit by, and this is very strange, I know, but just how loved I am. Mm. I was surprised that that came through. Um, I think there is a lot of good in this world. And there's people that are really trying to make life better for other people. And I think uh, I thought of, <laughs> you know, there's, there's certain people that I think we all really enjoy listening to or reading. And um, for some dumb reason, I don't know why, when I bought the book, Letting Go, I also bought Letter to a Christian Nation oh, by Sam I Harris. I love that. <laughs> I don't know oh, why I bought it. Oh, you're, okay. You're talking about Letters to a Christian Nation, Sam Harris. Okay. No, th- I do love that. I thought you were talking about Letters to the Planet Earth by Mark Twain. Anyway. Oh, I, that sounds interesting too. Yeah. I, but I, when I needed a break from letting go, I read that book and, you know, it was actually, I mean, it was one of those books where it's like, yeah, get them, Sam, you know, like (laughs) take it to the, take it to these guys. But at the same time, he is doing his best to help the world or the nation. Mm -hmm. You know, he wants, he, I think everyone has, you know, they want to help. They want to really improve things. I, I put you in that camp. I put so many other people that I, that I listen to. They're just trying to help. Mm. They're, they're operating at that high energy of, of love and peace and all that stuff. And I was, I just was really um, grateful that those people put the time and effort into doing that sort of thing and trying to resolve these giant issues that I wouldn't even know how to tackle, you know, I shouldn't say, you know, but so first I was overcome by some emotion there. And I, I was a little surprised by that. Um, And then I thought of, of course, there was like, you know, these, these people aren't that far away from what, you know, some of the leaders that I've had in my life in the church, they, mm-hmm. they sure meant well. They were sure trying to do their best. They were, you know, with whatever limited information they had. I can't hold it against those individuals. Um, they, were, they were operating under a certain understanding that, you know, may, might be in my perspective or my opinion limited but they were doing a pretty good job of it. And I should be grateful for, you know, their kindness that they showed me. Even if they asked me if I was masturbating when I was a kid, they were doing it out of love. (laughs) They thought that that really mattered and that would really help me. And I shouldn't judge them. And I was, so I thought about that. Um, Okay. And and let me just pause there for a minute because I, I, I don't want to gloss over this. This, this is huge. This is, this is huge, Reed. So here's what I'm hearing. I, I'm, you know, because it, it could be really uncomfortable to say, hey, let's stop what we're doing right now and just meditate. You want to meditate? Let's meditate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, so you went into it feeling a little nervous, but then you just kind of cleared your mind. You relaxed. And the first, let, let's go all wooey David Hawkins on this. The first vibration that your mind started creating because no one was doing anything. It was just you in there. Mm-hmm. The first thing that you did was gratitude. Gratitude for P. 
people that you listen to that help you gratitude for former church leaders gratitude for those kinds of experiences in your life you you turned yourself almost immediately i mean we did that for less than five minutes into a gratitude machine mm-hmm. and and how did that feel oh it was it was powerful i mean <laughs> i was not expecting that at all what happened I was a little shocked and I don't know, it was almost like there was an energy there. And I don't want to say that because I think that sounds kooky. <laughs> what sounds kooky? Oh, just like the sharing of energy or like I could feel something. Yeah. And um, I mean, I do, I do look up to so many people and, uh, you know, because I'm, I'm in the middle of deconstructing. I'm in the middle of, trying to figure out who I am and there are some really awesome people that are helping me. I got to tell you, Reed, Sam Harris is still in the middle of trying to figure out who he is. <laughs> still in the middle of trying to figure out who I am. You know, we're, everybody's like in this process of, of growing you yourself. And I, I really don't want to gloss over this. Um, I, I know it, it can feel a little weird to call it energies and, but, Pick, pick a different word, emotions. Mm-hmm. Those were emotions that you created, right? Right. I yeah. mean, they're, they're not coming from anywhere else and we're not claiming that there's like some supernatural woo thing outside of you. These are thoughts that came to you that were expressing themselves as emotions of, of gratitude. Mm-hmm. And... I, I I think, I don't know for sure, but I think that your experience on Monday with your coworkers was something similar where you inside of yourself, there's all of this stuff that's going on around you, you know, that they're heated arguments, whatever that, and, and you inside are creating this space of gratitude, of peace, because that's what you want as a nine, you want mm-hmm. peace. And I think that what you're doing, doing is learning how to create that inside of yourself and just project that outwards instead of expecting that peace to be in the world out there. And you're okay if it's out there, but if it's not, then you're going to run and hide or do whatever you do. You're like, I can create this. Mm -hmm. I can create this inside of myself. I can share it with others that, that peacefulness, but, but first it's right there in you. And, and just the fact that of all of the things, you know, like we, we read that David Hawkins thing, there's all kinds of emotions and different vibrations of energy if you really want to get nuts on there that you could have gone to. And where did you first go? You went to gratitude. I, that is really uh, encouraging to me. Mm-hmm. So I, well, good. I, I think that's awesome. <laughs> well, I, did, I was not expecting it. In fact, I was a little worried, like, what if I come out of this and there's nothing? <laughs> what am I going to say? <laughs> Nothing can be quite peaceful too. You know, yeah. I've, I've, I, I, I went to a, a meditation class um, a couple of years ago and it was kind of triggering for me because it was this woman named Carol Whitaker. I interviewed her on the podcast back in 2018 and she talked about meditation and that's why I went to her class after I did that interview with her. But, it, but what she said is, okay, well, you're sitting here and you're focusing your attention inward focus on God. 
I'm like, oh, but I don't believe in God. Don't talk about God. I don't want to hear about God. It's like, focus on God. And so I started thinking, well, what do I believe? You know, like instead of focusing on God, what can I focus on? Um, well, I'm just going to focus on the air around. I'm going to focus on the, like, it, there's, there's atoms in the air around me. There's atoms inside of me. There's atoms everywhere. Like that's energy. Um, I can focus on that. And that's kind of like, I don't know if that's the genesis of bathing with God where that, but I started thinking about like, oh, okay, I'm surrounded by this energy. And it's all of this like active intelligent, like at every level, whether it's a, a, an atom or it's a molecule or it's a cell, there's all of this intelligence communicating, communication that's going on around me that I'm never aware of. I'm never even thinking about it, but here I'm in this like meditative, peaceful place and kind of like thinking about that around me. And it just was so transformative. Like even within maybe a couple of weeks of practicing this at home, I was with my, my, my family, my, my brother and sister and my mom. And it can be a rowdy group sometimes, especially my younger brother. He, he, he likes messing with me maybe because I like messing with him. But anyway, we're, we're, we're sitting in this, this room and I decide I'm just going to meditate while there's all this chaos going around me. So I'm sitting on the couch, just kind of like stoic, got my eyes closed. I'm not moving. And he starts coming over like, like he's going to hit me or, you know, like, like all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, now, now we're going to, it's going to be a, this battle of wills because you're not going to make me blink. You're not going to make me. Do. And I just sat there and I meditated for like 10 minutes and there wasn't anything that he could do to make me laugh. Or, and it just felt like, this really cool power that I had discovered of like finding this inner peace inside of me. I really liked it. Anyway. Yeah, I, I could use that with the kids. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or in any situation, like I've, I found that like, if I'm supposed to meet somebody and they they're late in the past, I, I would have been like so annoyed and just kind of like impatient, but now I'm like, okay, well I've got some time to just kind of like, sit here and turn my brain off turn all of that chatter off just focus on like what are the sounds in the environment around me like hmm. are there birds is there traffic uh you know like what 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 are the and i just kind of like lose myself in that moment and it's it's really peaceful and blissful where before it was just like like that murkiness of thought <laughs> that, that hmm. like cloud like like my mind is generating that murky water that murky ocean water that maybe jaws is in and I don't have that clarity, but, but there's something about meditating and really focusing on the sounds that are around me, wherever it is, even if it's just complete silence, that just really feels um, clear and, mm. and, and energizing and peaceful. So well, I, I appreciate that you, that you uh, were willing to do that little experiment with me. And I'm glad that you had a good, a good experience with it. And I'm not going to let That's you really say good. anymore that you don't have time to meditate because that was less than five minutes and you saw the power of it. It's crazy how, <laughs> how it doesn't take very much time or the fact that I'm doing something and I, I just decide why not meditate right now while I'm walking or, yeah. you know, and that, those have been actually the better experiences that I've had. Yeah. You know, we have to take this, crazy puppy dog that we have on these long walks and and yeah it was it's been one of those kind of times where it's just complete peace yeah to just think about what i'm doing every step that i take yeah. when do you ever do that yeah. you know and so it's been good yeah. i i will say i just want to share something with you that i had a dream mm -hmm. you know i i don't have many dreams about that are, but this 
and I think because I've been focused on meditating in my dream, I decided, Oh, I need, I need to meditate. And in the dream I was meditating and it, it worked so well that I was, I found myself in this space um, floating inside of myself. Hmm. And, but I was, it was weird and I'm trying to figure out or maybe understand what was going on here. But the reason that I was floating is because I was caught between two almost magnetic poles that were like this tension. Hmm. And if I, if I could find the exact middle there, I could, I could levitate. And I was kind of spinning in this free space. Wow. And I've been thinking about what the heck that means. (laughs) And is there some sort of, holes that I need to be trying to find myself in to where I'm not gravitating one way or another, what are those poles or whatever, but there's something there. And I keep thinking about it. Um, Cause I thought it meant something. I'm just yeah. not sure yet. What, what do you think it means? I don't know. It was, it was like the, the only thing I could compare it to was there's a space within where it's in between your ego and your kind of your unconscious uh, brain. And as long as I could dwell in that space, Mm. I was in this kind of perfect um, equilibrium and at complete peace. And just, it was like Nirvana. Mm. That's the only way I could think of, you know, just like this. Okay. This is what Nirvana must feel like, you know, just floating and, um, so I don't know what it was. I'm still trying to figure it out, but I think there was something there. <laughs> yeah, that's re- that's really cool. So so you you said um a space between your ego and your unconscious brain? Yeah, some I, I don't know how to describe it, but there was some yeah. they had I had to find the space between the tension mm-hmm. or or between those poles. I couldn't go all the way into one or the other without not without it me floating. Yeah. I had to find that the exact right balance i'm I'm kind of picturing like magnets you know like like that's the, what, the yeah. kind of like the, the poles of a mag you know like if you mm-hmm. put it right there and it's kind of like being held in place and it it seems like what you're saying is and i and i really like this interpretation so this is my interpretation of what you're saying that whatever you're calling ego or, or whatever, there might be some kind of a conflict that's out here. And then there's something that you're in between. You're, you're still aware of it. So it's not like you're burying your head in the sand and pretending that it's not there. You're finding like a balance point between that and something else that you right. called, that you called like the unconscious. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's almost like you're, you're still aware. You're aware of both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're finding that place of, of balance. I don't know. I'll have to, I'll, I'll, I'll think about that some more. That's really cool. Yeah. You're the, you're the more experienced meditator. I was thinking maybe you'd have some more to go with that, but um, I, I, I have no expertise when it comes to what's going on in your mind. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably true. (laughs) None. And, and so like, if, if you're having a dream, your interpretation of what it means, I'm going to trust way more than anything that I think is going on with it maybe it was just motivation for me to continue trying and try to figure out what you know because you hear the stories of buddha you know all these you know all these great meditators these uh spiritual leaders that 
seem to go in that state of nirvana mm-hmm. and they're able to do it, you know, without any sort of psychedelic or anything like that, where they are in that space. And I'm fascinated by that. Yeah. <laughs> um, to imagine being able to do that on your own and just go into this kind of magical world yeah. um, of peace and, and joy and love and all that stuff is, is, is definitely something that fascinates me. Yeah. Um, I just have a little faith that I'll ever get there for some reason. Well, do, do you have more faith this week than you did last week? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> I think so. And, and it sounds like you have a desire to be there because you certainly don't want things to just drop off and, and go back to, you know, old habits where you forget the things that you've been doing this past week. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I, I have this sense that that sort of, peace is, is possible when we clear our minds of all the gunk you know um and and you know I, I i won't go into all of it but i i have i have experiences that certainly in the past would have really really triggered me it would have gotten me defensive and like for me when i get defensive i can get really sarcastic and you know like say cutting comments to to cammy or like my mom or you know something like that i might talk about my sister and i might say something that's like really sarcastic that just kind of hurts her feelings because i'm operating from some place that i feel threatened and you know so i i i lash out in that way and and mindfulness has helped me you know like i talked about earlier that awareness where you have choices mm-hmm. like i i i I recognize oh this is the time where i would kind of say something and i just pull back and i don't and there is a lot of peace that I find just in changing my own behavior in that way. So th- the, these people that you're looking at um, with admiration, um, you know, gurus, yogis, whatever you said, I, I think that's what goes on. I think it's, I think it's that kind of mastery of mind where they're not filling, their head isn't filled with all of these stories, assumptions, beliefs, cognitive distortions that distort reality um if there's a clarity and 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 an appreciation and a gratitude for where they are and and that that gratitude is kind of that balance between the things that are going on that um maybe maybe that's the the, what you dreamt about is is finding that balance and that equanimity Mm -hmm. in there so I, i i love what you said about being mindful of what you're telling cammy or you know your family or whatever because that happened to me i think it was yesterday yeah where i had the perfect opportunity to say something to my wife that would have been in the past i would have said it mm-hmm. and i would have thought it was funny and yeah. she probably wouldn't have yeah because i know because i know my wife and she would yeah. have you know been hurt by it but um i couldn't help but think of uh when you said that jerry garcia said that the most important notes are the ones he doesn't play Mm. on the guitar that the you can't overplay when you're playing a a solo or whatever and i think that's the same with us we i have to be more mindful of the things that i don't say instead of what i'm saying because there's times where i want to say something because i'm a natural i I, i'm kind of like you sarcasm (laughs) is my worst enemy (laughs) and um sometimes it's just so easy to say something and but when you hold that back, that there's also some power there yeah. to like say, wow, 
I have control over myself to not say certain dumb things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's funny because it, it's not, it's not that I hold it back in the sense that I repress it. Like I recognize, like I, I give myself a nice chuckle inside. I just don't have to share it with others because like I, 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 I recognize it. I know what the impact's going to be if I say it. Um, so yeah, anyway, I, I don't want to belabor that point. So yeah. we're, we're, we're at the, the, the top of the hour read. Um, what, what do you want to work on this upcoming week? What, where, what do you want to take in um, like your homework for this week? Um, that's a, that's a good question. I think, um, I mentioned in there that I wanted to be more present with mm -hmm. people. I have a, a major problem in my head and that's, it's, I think driven by ADHD and my kids have complained about it where, you know, they're talking to me and I'm in outer space because mm -hmm. it's just, I want to think about other things or whatever. And so there's times where I just need to work on being present with people and listening and not feeling like I need to insert something to make sure that they know I'm listening, that they know I'm smart and I'm going to continue. You know what I'm saying? There's, I need to, I realize that's a big problem in my life. And mm. the fact that they've expressed that to my wife, um, it worries me a little bit and makes me kind of think that, you know, I've, I have some work to do. All right. So, so, so is this specifically then with your kids that you want to focus yeah, on? Yeah, but it's, it's with, it's with everything, you know, jeez, I, I always say, you know, it's, it, listening is, is, is a serious problem that I have. I, I tend to drift off in thought very easily. Uh, that's, it's not something that I can really help all that much. I've tried medication before and that I hated it. It just made me feel antsy and I couldn't sleep at night. And sure. I, it, it's one of those things that I will have to figure out at some point Yeah, how to listen, how to, how to control my brain. And I don't know if I'll ever get, I don't know if I'll ever get to be able to do it. Uh, I, but yeah. it's something that I need to work on. And I, I think that meditation is going to help. It is. Yeah. And, and, and so here, here's, here's two things that I'm going to suggest for you for this week. If, if you're up for reading another book, Oh yeah. The, this book inner size. I've talked about it a few times on the podcast. Yeah. I think I've heard you say it. Yeah. Hold it up right now for you so you can see what it looks like. Okay. Okay. So, so it's inner size. Brain. Yeah. It, it's inner size, the new science to unlock your brain's hidden power by John Asaroff. And um, what you're talking about specifically is focus. And the reason the book is called Inner Size is because, you know, how to, how to get your brain buff the way that you would your body buff with exercise, you know, how, how to, um, you know, like you might want to go to the gym and focus on your arms one day or focus on your legs one day, or, you know, like focus on these different areas of your, your body. You can do that with your brain with different cognitive skills like focus. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and, and that's what you're saying, that you, you find yourself drifting off when people are talking. You start thinking about something else and then you find, oh, I just missed that. So there's exercises that he presents in this book that you can do to strengthen that skill. Meditation mm -hmm. is, is one of them. There's other things. Um, 
and uh, so yeah, so that that that's one thing I would suggest for this week is is reading through Intersize, getting um, aware of that, and then the other thing would be when when you're having a conversation with with your kids, and maybe maybe just start by focusing on your kids. As soon as they finish, restate to them what they just said to you. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I do that with you while while we're doing this coaching, I'll say, you know what, here's what I'm hearing you say. And I, I mirror back to you what it is that you're telling me. And how do you feel when I do that? All right. No. Oh, are you asking me? Yeah. Oh, it feels like you're definitely listening to what I'm saying and you're understanding where I'm coming from. Because usually when you repeat it back, I, I say, you know, I, I agree that, yeah, you yeah. stated what I, and sometimes you say it better than I could have said. That's, and sometimes that's I problem. leave things out. And and sometimes I say something back to you that isn't really what you meant. And then you can kind of correct with it too. But, right. but that that's, that's another skill that you can develop. And, and so I, I would recommend those two things that the, the inner size and then practice with your kids restating what, what they say to you and just say, I, I mean, you, and you can do it in any way you feel most comfortable. Um, you know, here's, here's what I'm hearing you say, you're, you're telling me that this is important to you. You're telling me, you know, and, and you just kind of like summarize it back to them and see how well you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will try that for sure. Yeah. It's not, it's definitely not a habit that I have. Yeah. Um, and that's probably because I, <laughs> I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they said. I mean, it has to really, um, for the kids, they have such different interests than I do. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, they're kind of in that world of friends or sports or, you know, and I, you know, I enjoy sports and, uh, but yeah, it's, sometimes it's just hard to listen to teenagers talk about themselves because it's usually pretty, I mean, video games, <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. But that is a, that's a good, I think this is a great idea. Well, and, and maybe you don't care about the video games and maybe you don't even really care about the friends, but you do care about your kids or you wouldn't have brought this up as something that you want to work on. So learning how to just restate, just, oh, this is what you're telling, you're telling me, well, like you might, (laughs) like when my, my, I've got a 17 year old son who loves playing video games too. And he'll tell me all about him. And I don't know what he's talking about. I, I have no idea. I, I don't even know if I could restate everything that he's saying because he's talking about like these words and names that I just don't have any frame of reference for. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. Well, practice that, and, and then uh, next week we'll talk again. We'll see how it went. Yeah, I love this. This is this is great. Good. All right. All right. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. You don't need them anymore. Hey there, thanks for listening all the way to the end. Now, I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode. I have more to say about this topic, and I'm going to do that with a follow-up behind-the-scenes sharing time episode on Patreon. So, if you're in a position where you can throw me a few dollars each month to support the work that I put into creating this podcast, please come and support me on Patreon, where you'll also get access to additional content. Did you know that I also create sharing time episodes that are available only to Patreon subscribers? I've been doing that for a few years, 
so there's a lot of content there that you can have access to. So please come and support this podcast if you can. I greatly appreciate it. Hi, this is Hillary, Matthew, Ryan, Carol, Keith, Ashley, and I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? My worst crime is an inside job. Dark thoughts taking over like an inside mob. I tune into the scene between the eyes. And take a breath. Thank you for listening to Infants on Front. I sit still and watch the thoughts flow past me. Never mind the future, never mind what the past be. I like to jump and let the universe catch me. Three, four, watch the beauty blow past me. I keep my pockets like destination in sight. Keep my actions elevated to compassionate heights. I'm walking past the fight, laying down on such a night. Choosing love when I pick up this mic. The Mechanism of Letting Go What is it? Letting go is like the sudden cessation of an inner pressure or the dropping of a weight. It is accompanied by a sudden feeling of relief and lightness with an increased happiness and freedom. It is an actual mechanism of the mind, and everyone has experienced it on occasion. A good example is the following. You are in the midst of an intense argument. You are angry and upset. When suddenly, the whole thing strikes you as absurd and ridiculous. You start to laugh. The pressure is relieved. You come up from anger, fear, and feeling attacked to feeling suddenly free and happy. Think how great it would be if you could do that all of the time, in any place, and with any event. You could always feel free and happy and never be cornered by your feelings again. That's what this technique is all about. Letting go consciously and frequently at will. You are then in charge of how you feel and you are no longer at the mercy of the world and your reactions to it. You are no longer the victim. This is employing the basic teaching of the Buddha, which removes the pressure of involuntary reactivity. We carry around with us a huge reservoir of accumulated negative feelings, attitudes, and beliefs. The accumulated pressure makes us miserable and is the basis of many of our illnesses and problems. We are resigned to it 
and explain it away as the human condition. We seek to escape from it in myriad ways. The average human life is spent trying to avoid and run from the inner turmoil of fear and the threat of misery. Everyone's self-esteem is constantly threatened, both from within and without. If we take a close look at human life, we see that it is essentially one long elaborate struggle to escape our inner fears and expectations that have been projected upon the world. Interspersed are periods of celebration when we have momentarily escaped the inner fears, but the fears are still there waiting for us. We have become afraid of our inner feelings because they hold such a massive amount of negativity that we fear we would be overwhelmed by it if we were to take a deeper look. We have a fear of these feelings because we have no conscious mechanism by which to handle the feelings if we let them come up within ourselves. Because we are afraid to face them, they continue to accumulate, and finally, we secretly begin looking forward to death to bring all of the pain to an end. It is not thoughts or facts that are painful, but the feelings that accompany them. Thoughts in and of themselves are painless, but not the feelings that underlie them. It is the accumulated pressure of feelings that causes thoughts. One feeling, for instance, can create literally thousands of thoughts over a period of time. Think, for instance, of one painful memory from early life. One terrible regret that has been hidden. Look at all the years and years of thoughts associated with that single event. If we could surrender the underlying painful feeling all of those thoughts would disappear instantly and we would forget the event. This observation is in accord with scientific research. The Gray La Violette scientific theory integrates psychology and neurophysiology. Their research demonstrated that feeling tones organize thoughts and memory. 
Thoughts are filed in the memory bank according to the various shades of feelings associated with those thoughts. Therefore, when we relinquish or let go of a feeling, we are freeing ourselves from all of the associated thoughts. The great value of knowing how to surrender is that any and all feelings can be let go of at any time and any place in an instant. And it can be done continuously and effortlessly. What is the surrendered state? It means to be free of negative feelings in a given area so that creativity and spontaneity can manifest without opposition or the interference of inner conflicts. To be free of inner conflict and expectations is to give others in our life the greatest freedom. It allows us to experience the basic nature of the universe, which, it will be discovered, is to manifest the greatest good possible in a situation. This may sound philosophical, but when done, it is experientially true. Feelings and Mental Mechanisms We have three major ways of handling feelings. Suppression, expression, and escape. We will discuss each in turn. 1. Suppression and Repression These are the most common ways in which we push feelings down and put them aside. In repression, this happens unconsciously. In suppression, it happens consciously. We don't want to be bothered by feelings, and besides, we don't know what else to do with them. We sort of suffer through them and try to keep functioning as best as we can. The feelings that we select to be suppressed or repressed are in accord with the conscious and unconscious programs that we carry within us from social custom and family training. The pressure of suppressed feelings is later felt as irritability, mood swings, tension in the muscles of the neck and back, headaches, cramps, menstrual disorders, colitis, indigestion, insomnia, hypertension, allergies, and other somatic conditions. When we repress a feeling, it is because there is so much guilt and fear over the feeling that it is not even consciously felt at all. It becomes instantly thrust into the unconscious as soon as it threatens to emerge. 
The repressed feeling is then handled in a variety of ways to ensure that it stays repressed and out of awareness. Of these mechanisms used by the mind to keep the feeling repressed, denial and projection are perhaps the best known methods, as they tend to go together and reinforce each other. Denial results in major emotional and maturational blocks. It is usually accompanied by the mechanism of projection. Because of guilt and fear, we repress the impulse or feeling and we deny its presence within us. Instead of feeling it, we project it onto the world and those around us. We experience the feeling as if it belonged to them. They then become the enemy and the mind searches for and finds justification to reinforce the projection. Blame is placed on people, places, institutions, food, climatic conditions, astrological events, social conditions, fate, God, luck, the devil, foreigners, ethnic groups, political rivals, and other things outside of ourselves. Projection is the main mechanism in use by the world today. It accounts for all wars, strife, and civil disorder. Hating the enemy is even encouraged in order to become a good citizen. We maintain our own self-esteem at the expense of others, and eventually this results in social breakdown. The mechanism of projection underlies all attack, violence, aggression, and every form of social destruction. Two, expression. With this mechanism, the feeling is vented, verbalized, or stated in body language and acted out in endless group demonstrations. The expression of negative feelings allows just enough of the inner pressure to be let out so that the remainder can then be suppressed. This is a very important point to understand, for many people in society today believe that expressing their feelings frees them from the feelings. The facts are to the contrary. The expression of a feeling, first, tends to propagate that feeling and give it greater energy. Second, the expression of the feeling merely allows the remainder to be suppressed out of awareness. The balance between suppression and expression varies in each individual depending on early training, current cultural norms and mores, and 
the media. Expressing oneself is now in vogue as a result of a misunderstanding of the work of Sigmund Freud and psychoanalysis. Freud pointed out that suppression was the cause of neurosis. Therefore, expression was mistakenly thought to be the cure. This misinterpretation became a license for self-indulgence at the cost of others. What Freud actually said in classical psychoanalysis was that the repressed impulse or feeling was to be neutralized, sublimated, socialized and channeled into constructive drives of love, work and creativity. If we dump our negative feelings on others, they experience it as an attack, and they in turn are forced to suppress, express, or escape the feelings. Therefore, the expression of negativity results in the deterioration and destruction of relationships. A far better alternative is to take responsibility for our own feelings and neutralize them into constructive drives of love, work, and creativity. Then only positive feelings remain to be expressed. Three, escape. Escape is the avoidance of feelings through diversion. This avoidance is the backbone of the entertainment and liquor industries, and also the root of the workaholic. Escapism and avoidance of inner awareness is a socially condoned mechanism. We can avoid our own inner selves and keep our feelings from emerging by an endless variety of pursuits, many of which eventually become addictions as our dependency upon them grows. People are desperate to stay unconscious. We observe how often people flick on the television set the minute they enter a room, and then walk around in a dreamlike state, constantly being programmed by the data poured into them. People are terrified of facing themselves. They dread even a moment of aloneness. Thus the constant frantic activities, the endless socializing, talking, texting, reading, music playing, working, traveling, sightseeing, shopping, overeating, gambling, movie-going, pill-taking, drug-using, and cocktail-partying. Many of the foregoing mechanisms of escape are faulty, stressful, and ineffective. 
each of them requires increasing amounts of energy in and of itself. Enormous amounts of energy are required to keep down the growing pressure of the suppressed and repressed feelings. There is a progressive loss of awareness and an arrest of growth. There is a loss of creativity, energy, and real interest in others. There is a halting of spiritual growth and eventually the development of physical and emotional illness, disease, aging, and premature death. The projection of these repressed feelings results in the social problems, disorders, and the increase of selfishness and callousness characteristic of our present society. Most of all, the effect is the inability to truly love and trust another person, which results in emotional isolation and self-hatred. In contrast to the above, what happens instead when we let go of a feeling? The energy behind the feeling is instantly surrendered and the net effect is decompression. The accumulated pressure begins to decrease as we constantly let go. Everyone knows that when we let go, we immediately feel better. The body's physiology changes. There are detectable improvements in skin color, breathing, pulse, blood pressure, muscle tension, gastrointestinal function, and blood chemistries. In the state of inner freedom, all bodily functions and organs move in the general direction of normalcy and health. There is an immediate increase in muscle power. Vision improves and our perception of the world and ourselves changes for the better. We feel happier, more loving and more easygoing.
Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. Infants on Thrones.